0: Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant, and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers and hope you're enjoying your weekend. Later, a report on the challenges of learning in the pandemic. It has been quite a challenge and issue for many families. But first, there is some sense of pride among many in Kentucky that while other states have fought over voting rights, the Commonwealth moved ahead with a modest plan for early no-excuse voting. The Secretary of State says Kentucky's approach keeps the voting process secure but makes it more convenient for people to let their voices be heard. But Fayette County Clerk Don Blevins Jr. has some concerns about the logistics of pulling off what the law requires in the places that are available. So we'll talk about that in the rules for this big election season ahead. Joining us today is Fayette County Clerk Don Blevins, Jr. Thanks for coming in. No problem, Bill. I now can call you longtime Fayette County Clerk Don Blevins. Your father was longtime clerk. Yes, <laughs> it feels like I've been there a while now. That's true. <laughs> well, we do welcome you. And uh, I know you have raised some concerns about uh, the upcoming uh, elections because of logistics. You've said that there are not uh, sufficient polling places that you can secure to comply, maybe with this uh, the, the terms of this new law requiring all the early voting. That's correct.
1: Uh, Kentucky is the best I can tell. We have the shortest period of time in the nation for early voting at three days. Most other states. The only other one I could find that is similar is Oklahoma, and they have five. After that, it's anywhere from ten to four, as high as 40 days in some states. And I would say if I had to. Unofficial average about 15 to 20 days would be the average out there. So at three days, what that does is compress our cycle down and and forces a lot of voters into a few locations over a short amount of time. That's just not going to work in Fayette County easily. Well, uh, how many do you anticipate would vote early? Well, that's the big question. Uh, If we have a presidential year, we'll have as many as uh, 60 to 90,000 people, I think. And if you do the math, that's gonna require a lot of locations if they're small locations. We just don't have those kinds of amenities here in town. So for example, the Civic Center is booked until 2025. Can't use that. I can't use the football stadium again because we can't use that in November. So I I need some places that we can go that we consistently use so the public doesn't get confused by moving around. They have to be ADA accessible, good parking and be big enough to house you know, several thousand voters a day. Well, that just doesn't exist. So I'm faced with two, two ugly choices. My first choice is to just do limited number of locations and know that we're gonna have long lines and frustrated voters. Or possibly I could commandeer the school system and I really don't wanna do that because that's three or four days of, of instruction that would either be non-traditional or takes it out of the The school calendar, these are both equally. They would
0: have to close. I mean, there's no way that you can have have voting uh, while school's going on. By law, they have to close, yes.
1: So, I mean, this is just an ugly, ugly choice for for a county clerk to make. Now, I'm not alone. This is going to affect Kenton County, uh, Jefferson County in much the same way. They have almost the exact same issue I do, just
0: at scale. It sounds like you are suggesting a longer period of early voting might help. That would be the ideal solution, in my opinion. Uh, I'd like to
1: see as much as three weeks of early voting, three full weeks with a couple of Saturdays thrown in. And what that would do is now we spread out the time, I can use fewer locations that are smaller and pull off more or less what we did in 2020 for the general election by using, you know, libraries, the senior center and the like.
0: Did you talk to lawmakers about this ahead of time when this was uh, being considered? I mean, was, were, were these concerns uh, laid out there? We talked,
1: uh, all three of those county clerks, the Jefferson, Kenton, and myself, talked to the Secretary of State and the State Board last in, in uh, 2020, right after the primary. And we begged them not to expand the election cycle such that we had three separate kinds of elections, mail, early, and then a full-on election day. We said we could do two of those, but not all three. Well, that's more or less what the Secretary of State has done to us with their legislation last year, has added three forms of voting.
0: It's just going to be difficult. Would it be enough for the, the, the urban areas to very, very strongly encourage more voting uh, by mail uh, so that it's done that way and, and, and voters don't have to show up?
1: That would certainly help. Uh, in, in the presidential, I don't remember right off the top of my head, but I believe we had about 90-something thousand vote by mail in 2020, and then a remainder of about 50 or 60,000 that voted in person. But again, that was spread over a two-, three-week period.
0: Do you have concerns about coming across as, as being opposed to early voting? Because you, you are not, right? I'm not.
1: I, I'm more or less neutral on early voting. It's an expensive way to make voting convenient. It's, it really is convenient for those who want to vote. The surprising thing is, is it doesn't increase turnout. State after state that have implemented early voting, it always it actually suppresses the overall turnout by about one percent we 've not done social science on on why, but it 's there The data shows it it does not help turnout so if we want to make it convenient i 'm all in favor but it 's got to be practical you know
0: do you share the pride that another uh, Secretary of State has and some others have that while some states have really fought this out and are continuing to fight about uh, voting rights and voting security and so forth, that Kentucky seems to have found a way forward that is generally uh, accepted by both parties. Uh,
1: I I think I would be a little more measured than that. Uh, I believe that adding early voting was a good thing. I don't, I'm not opposed to it at all. I just want to go in with eyes wide open and know what we're getting into. However, we have increased our uh, voter ID laws. They've increased the sort of the requirements there at a time when we've actually changed the way we're doing our driver's license and ID system to make it less convenient to get. We're going to those regional offices. I don't believe those two events were tied together, but they are definitely uh, correlated in terms of access to getting an ID. It's difficult right now. In Fayette County, they're taking appointments out as much as a month. That's hard on
0: people. So people legitimately might have difficulty showing yeah. an identification Absolutely.
1: polls. Absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we saw a lawsuit to that effect for this primary that's coming up.
0: Well, let's talk about the, the, the primary that's ahead. Uh, it is uh, in Kentucky. We have a, a closed primary, so you vote uh, within your party, or the, there are several nonpartisan elections as well. Uh, this is a big, uh, a big year that's coming up. Yeah, this is
1: probably the most important year to vote. I know people are going to be shocked by that. But the reason is you're voting for your local legislators. Those are the ones that have the most dramatic effect on your life. Our city council, for example, can really change the way the community works. And you want to have a a voice in
0: that, I would think. Do you expect to see a lot of uh, activity in those campaigns, given that the the May primary is what narrows it down? Mm -hmm. There there will be, uh, I think there are nine candidates for three seats on the urban county council at large right. and that will narrow it what to six to six i believe yeah. yes so the idea is to make it kind of a one choice or the other kind of winnow it winnow down the races yes uh-huh. so we'll see that
1: for sure you you definitely want to vote in the primary because that's where those selections are made and then again in, in the fall
0: obviously uh, this is a big year big year for voters it's not always the uh, the winner that may primary in in the mayoral race in uh, in lexington who goes on to win i remember 1998, I think uh, Chuck Ellinger Sr. Uh, defeated Pam Miller in that primary, and then she comes around and, and won in November. So Certainly can happen. <laughs> it can be an interesting We've year. had
1: some really close races historically uh, here. Uh, just for example, my father, when he first ran for city council, won by exactly four votes. Wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> your uncle was on council too, right? Yes, Barkley, yeah. Barclay, yeah. Barclay, yeah. Uh, he was vice uh, mayor for a while. Right. Uh, let me ask uh, uh, about your feelings on the uh... open and closed primaries as you know the secretary of state is uh, now talking about allowing independents to choose on primary election day uh... which primary to vote in and, and and to be able to take part in one of those partisan primaries the law has been changed that they now can assist on election day mm-hmm. uh, when independents previously could not do that are you for an open primary uh... i, I could go either way uh... I believe that if you're in a political party,
1: the primary is meant for that political party to choose you know, which candidate they want to put forward. So why would I want, say, a Republican or an independent voting in, in my Democratic primary? On the other hand, it does disenfranchise all the independent voters, and I think we're going to see a trend nationwide of more and more people becoming independent voters. won't be long in Kentucky before uh, the Republican primary, for example, will decide who's going to be the eventual winner. Uh, like, just like it used to be for the Democrats yep. all those years ago.
0: many parts of the state it is that way, right? Yes. Yeah. yes uh, do you think overall, Don, that uh, Kentucky's elections are fair, accessible enough, and secure?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I think they're fair. They're mostly accessible. I would like to see some changes on the ID front, or at least make it easier to get your ID. But other than that, I think they're very fair, and I can guarantee you they're secure. Even the, the Republican Secretary of State would tell you that we had one incident in 2020 and that turned out to be two men in Louisville that happened to have the same strange name and they thought this man had voted twice, but it turned out to be two individuals. So there were no incidents of fraud even in 2020.
0: It's very rare to find even uh, complaints in Kentucky. Right. Now, there are complaints all the
1: time. We have a hotline at the, um, at the uh, Attorney General's office. And we even get complaints in in Fayette County, but it's usually something that somebody thinks is happening that when we investigate, it's not a big deal. Now, that's not to say we don't have instances of vote buying. It still occurs here and there, and when they're caught, they go to jail.
0: How difficult is it to staff those polling places for those, uh, those used to be two days, but now several days of the year?
1: We're going to find out for the first time in 2020 because of the weird ways we ran the elections we needed far fewer officers and we were able to find people not really without much trouble this spring i may for the first time see a problem getting people to serve not just for the extra days that we're going to have but also because of covid Uh, the acrimony that's out there some people are fearful to serve in the polls for fear of you know fighting or whatever so i we're going to find out together in the next in fact, few weeks as we start making our calls.
0: Who typically does that? Isn't that usually a sort of a, a, an older set of individuals? And don't you need more young people to step up and, uh, and and volunteer to work in the polls?
1: Yes. So generally, it's people that are retired because they can they can do that odd Tuesday and, and serve like that. Uh, but but we're starting to see that they're aging out. We do need people that are physically strong enough to set up the machines uh, and tear them down at the end of the day. That's going to be a new challenge for older folks. So yeah, we need some need some younger folks to be able
0: to step up. What is required if people are interested in that? How do they how do they get involved in, and how much training uh, and so on do they oh, have to yes. have? Yeah.
1: Well, if you're interested, all you need to do is contact my elections department and let them know you're interested and we'll put you on the list to be called whenever we need somebody in your particular precinct or even as an alternate citywide. All election officers, every election cycle, must go through a few hours of training uh, before they're eligible to serve. That way we can make sure everybody that's in the polling area knows exactly what they're doing.
0: So they would know that. You let them know what the obligation is when they, at the time they sign up. Correct. Correct.
1: We do pay him a modicum. I mean, we pay him $50 to get the training and then $200 for Election Day.
0: Are you, uh, you know, you never were in the driver's license business over there, but people think you are. Yeah, <laughs> and, that's true. Uh, and And not even the circuit clerk is in that business anymore. Is there some confusion in Kentucky about, at this point, you pointed out the difficulty of maybe getting an ID. I mean, there's confusion about, where to do your driver's licensing and totally yes, and, and then you know the registering the vehicles that's where you come in, right?
1: Yes, I do all the motor vehicle side. Uh, now the transportation cabinet has taken over doing driver's licensing statewide, and you may have seen a mailer come to your house recently with a kind of a flashy mailer describing how that works and where to go. Uh, it's drive.ky.gov, and you can actually renew your uh, motor vehicle tags at the same location, but. That's where you can make your appointments. That's where you can call and find out what your options are. Uh, one nice thing about the new system is you can go to any county or any regional office and get your license updated, renewed, or whatever. So you don't have to go to the one in, here in Lexington.
0: Well, the questions is getting tougher as we go along here. What, <laughs> what about these concerns that people have about the high price of, uh, of their vehicles right now in terms of the, the, the value is high, therefore the tax bill? uh... Is high this year it's it's gone up considerably and i you know i don't blame
1: them I, that obviously impacts me as well uh, i think there's some legislation that they're looking at to possibly alleviate that for just this year and hopefully or smooth out the, the taxation so that people don't get the big sticker shock uh, i would like to see property taxes on vehicles go away completely
0: Which the voters allowed the legislature to do in a 1998 amendment, passed by 78 percent. And they never did. They never did it. I know. I
1: I think it's a very regressive tax. I mean, we we are a society that's dependent on automobiles to get to work, by and large. So if you make it difficult to own and operate a vehicle, you're just making it hard to work. It's kind of antithetical to the way we want to operate.
0: You think you can get this situation uh, worked out uh, ahead of the, the, the May primary and the November election on the, on the early voting?
1: Well I think no, I, I really don't. I think what's going to happen is the legislature will not take action on this item. Uh, we'll, we'll go in and figure something out, I just I haven't decided which way I want to go. Uh, both, both directions have really negative consequences. I really don't want to use the schools, but practically speaking, that's probably the only solution that will work from a voting perspective. If I don't use the schools, then our options drop way down. I can't use churches for this because I don't think they're secure enough overnight to leave ballots and equipment in. That's no knock on my churches because they've been the backbone of getting Election Day done for many, many years. But this is a new reality we're in. And people need to have full faith and trust in that our election is secure. And that that would be a a tough one to sell.
0: Well, keep us up to date on uh, on how it goes, essentially. I know your your ultimate request is that they delay this, right? Right, or expand
1: the number of days to make it lengthier.
0: Don Blevins, Fayette County Clerk, bringing a concern to our attention. We appreciate you coming by. Thank you. And we'll be back on Kentucky Newsmakers in a moment. We'll look at the challenges that kids and families are having in learning from home during these difficult times. We'll back in a moment. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. The pandemic has left many parents questioning what kind of education is best for their kids, with federal data showing an increase in homeschooling. This renewed interest comes at the same time companies offering a bridge between the classroom and the living room are expanding, drawing concern from both public school and homeschool advocates. Here's our national investigative team's Lee Zurich with By the Book.
2: A public school parent tells friends on Facebook she paid for this stack of Christmas presents with taxpayer money.
3: State education resources are not to be spent on personalized items.
2: Items like a pricey American Girl doll that for history students can again, be paid for by taxpayer dollars.
3: If you love history, your child loves history, you can buy an American Girl doll for your child in the name of history.
2: We found thousands of families across the country are able to use public school dollars to buy Netflix subscriptions, basketball goals, hoverboards, or even karate lessons and snorkeling equipment. and for the parents, it's all just a part of a school program designed by for-profit companies approved by and funneled through school districts. 1,700 a year.
3: 1700 dollars per child per year.:
2: It's a lot of money.:
3: It absolutely is. But it's taxpayer money too. It absolutely is.
2: Kylie Varner homeschools her three kids in Indiana, one of the states where this program operates. She pays for their education, including supplies, out of her own pocket. So she was curious when she discovered a private company operating in at least seven states across the country that offers a unique public school path for parents and students, essentially homeschooling with the backing of a school district including some financial support.
3: These parents are really using liberties that are not allotted to them in our state code. In many ways, they are behaving like homeschool families, but they're using taxpayer dollars to do it.
2: One of the largest of these private operators in the country is Utah-based TechTrep Academy. It calls itself a tuition-free public school program where typically parents or online programs do the instruction and teachers are there just for guidance. Our analysis of records from six states shows last school year TechTrep Academy and its sister company were paid at least $45 million in public funding. Tech Trup declined our repeated requests for interviews, but has touted its program in YouTube videos. And it's essential to involve parents in the personalization of a child's education here's how the model works school districts sign an agreement with one of these companies like TechTrep academy to be a bridge program the school district keeps some of the money and then sends a percentage of their state funding to the provider some of that money goes to parents to pay for education supplies which may include the dolls and presents we told you about earlier the rest stays with the company before Rich Moore retired as a superintendent of a school district in Idaho, he brought in companies including TechTrep Academy to start the Idaho Home Learning Academy.
4: We, we like innovation and be on the leading edge of, of doing good things in education.
2: The district made the academy partners sign an exclusive contract in the state. They can't operate in any other county. What that means is kids from other districts enroll here to be in the program. Critics say this isn't about education, but is a money grab by some school districts because some of the state funding stays with the school district, even if students never walk through the door. Your county population is about 4,700. You have about, what, 850 kids in your schools. Then you have 6,100 kids that you're servicing through this uh, home learning academy. Does it seem odd that you have more kids in the home learning academy than in your county?
4: I think it would, if, if you're going by an old paradigm, I think that would seem odd. I think that uh, in our day and age where um, things are becoming more and more virtual, I think that uh, that's not odd at all. I think that's the trend.
2: Our national investigative team obtained emails from state and district officials about TechTrep Academy and its sister company, My Tech High. In those, we found officials questioning parts of the program. For example, in Idaho, concerns about parents being in charge of instruction with only minimal contact with a certified teacher required. But the parents aren't forced to interact with the teacher. They're not forced to go to the teacher if they don't want to.
4: Uh, there is not a requirement unless um, they, they are required to make sure that they submit their learning artifacts to make sure that the teacher can see if the student is being successful in mastering those learning standards.
2: And in Utah, those money questions. A state education investigator asks about my tech high parents getting reimbursement for extracurricular and other classes that other public charter school kids don't get. In Indiana, TechTrep Academy originally allotted the family stipend in dollars. But after scrutiny from the state over Indiana's law against enrollment incentives, the program switched to a point system PURCHASING ITEMS FOR FAMILIES DIRECTLY.
3: I MEAN, TO ME, IT'S NOT ACCEPTABLE. TO ME, THE PRIVATIZATION OF THESE PUBLIC FUNDS IS NOT ACCEPTABLE. I I BELIEVE THAT WE NEED TO MAKE A PRIORITY OF PROVIDING EXCEPTIONAL, RICH, EQUITABLE EXPERIENCES TO ALL THE CHILDREN IN OUR COMMUNITY THROUGH THE PUBLIC SCHOOL SYSTEM, AND THAT SHOULD BE THE PRIORITY of our legislators,
2: Critics say while bridge programs are in limited states now, an expansion appears to be in the future. You believe this model, they are going to go after other states?
3: Absolutely. That's their plan. Um, the co- this is
2: coming to a state near you watching Absolutely. right now?
3: Yes, and, and they've gone on a televised, the co-founders have gone on a, a televised show and said, it's our plan to bring this to every state. It's coming? It's coming.
2: So while TechTrep Academy tells parents in online videos how to use their money for rewards and
3: gifts. In my case, many of the books and educational games and resources that I purchase with the Supplemental Learning Funds are given to my kids at Christmas time, birthdays or as rewards for completing what they see as their more boring schoolwork.
2: Kylene Varner says public school parents need to watch out to make sure each student is treated the same.
3: I don't understand what makes this particular set of students special.
0: Now, Tech Trep Academy Senior Director of Operations Janet Cox responded to questions about her comments in that instructional video. Her statement reads in part... My goal for all students enrolled in TechTrip Academy is to spark a love of learning while still teaching them the skills and information they need to be successful. The short video clip from the informational meeting was just one idea on how parents as learning coaches could help motivate and encourage student learning at home. The laws for how programs like TechTrip Academy or similar companies are allowed to operate differ from state to state, and some of those laws may be changing. The National Conference of state legislatures found of the 120 bills related to school choice filed in 37 states, more than a third involved education savings accounts state funding families could use for education expenses. Stay with us now, Greta Van Susteren. We'll be back and we'll wrap up Kentucky Newsmakers. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. The world on edge right now, waiting to see if Russia invades Ukraine. Meanwhile the U.S. is calling for a U.N. Security Council meeting after North Korea's latest provocation. Our chief national political analyst Greta Van Susteren explains.
5: Hello, I'm Greta Van Susteren and here's your full court fast break. North Korea stoking nuclear tensions again. Sunday, the regime testing its most powerful missile since 2017. The Hwasong-12 hit an altitude of more than 1,200 miles before landing in the sea. It was launched into space to avoid hitting other countries. But make no mistake, this nuclear-capable missile can reach Guam, a U.S. territory. And we know Pyongyang has other missiles that can hit the U.S. mainland. Sunday's show of force was North Korea's seventh round of missile launches in just one month. It also violated U.N. Security Council resolutions. Some experts say Kim Jong-un is trying to pressure the world into dropping sanctions against North Korea. Others warn he is desperate to be recognized as a nuclear power. The White House is pushing Pyongyang to join direct talks with no preconditions. So far, the U.S. has not received a response. Want more full-court press? Tune in Sundays. We bring politics home covering the national stories that impact you.
0: And remember, you can catch full court press with Greta Van Susteren this morning at 1130 on WKYT. We'll of course be covering the state legislature as it continues its 2022 session in the week ahead. And we do thank you for joining us for this edition of Kentucky Newsmakers. I'll see you this week on the evening news and you make it a good week ahead.